You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour two, the program. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. The bottom of the hour, in studio. He's a, he's, he's a large individual. John Bender, former Stamps, Nevada Wolfpack offensive lineman, will join us. Talk about some CFL playoffs, Matty. Let's go. Let's go. I'm, Two games you on know, Sunday. You know, I, I never lie to our listeners uh-huh. and to you guys. Yeah. You're going to have to carry the mail a little bit on that one. That's no problem. No problem at all. Can anybody beat the Bombers? Are the Ticats too hot heading into the playoffs? No. I have okay. no faith in Dane Evans ever. Okay. Because I do remember uh, when they were here and you're saying Dane Evans is going to throw like four interceptions and they came in and beat the Stampeders for the first time in like 25 years. Yeah. Okay. I still have no faith in okay. Dane Evans. Okay. That's fair. I also admitted that every once in a while he'll have a good game. Okay. But, uh, uh yeah. Your chance to win stuff. $100 gift card from Golf Town. We're taking your text 960-960. Name and location, please. Give us your hole-in-one story. If it's a good one, uh, you'll win tickets. And we'll do that at 8.30. And also, uh, it could be that, but it might be this. Your chance to win Flames, Kraken tickets tonight, lower bowl. Well, you'll have to go mano y mano, or I don't what's the um, uh, face-to-face, not really. Um, head-to-head, sure, with Matt Rose. Toe-to-toe. Toe-to-toe. Like a fight to the death where the world might split in half. What? Yeah, that's now how intense really it's going to be. It's going to wow. be you're going to face a listener. It could uh-huh. be that, but it might be this. And if the listener beats you, they win tickets to the Flames and Kraken tonight down at the dome. Just saying, if you get through, you got a pretty good chance. I'm a bit of a moron. Uh, no, I I think you're super smart. Oh, Our geez. next guest is super smart too. Agreed. Uh, on the Atlas Pizza Sports at the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Easy for me. You're to getting say. there, man. No, I'm not. I'm terrible at that. <laughs> Adnan Verk. MLB NHL Network Cinephile Podcast. Adnan, good morning. How are you? It was such an expert segue by George, but I, so false. That's why yeah, you then I just, got tripped up. That, that happens yeah. to me sometimes. I go, you know what? Yeah. This is pure hyperbole, but I make the guests feel good. But then I mess up the mechanics of what I was saying. But yeah, I it's appreciate okay. the compliment nonetheless. Yeah, I, uh, again, I, I pretend like I'm a professional broadcaster, Adnan, but really I'm just as <laughs> mediocre as they come. So it's okay. At least I know my lot in life here. <laughs> Doing a radio show. That is not true. No, no. It, it's, that is not true. Although, remember, remember how Bobby Knight used to mock writers? He'd say, you know, most people learn to read and write by, like, grade three. What else did you do with your life? <laughs> I, I often feel the way about broadcasting. Like, I mean, we literally get paid to talk. Like, once kids can talk, they often do other things. And the three of us just kept on talking. Let me make a job out of this. This will be great. Yeah, like, it's they're paying us for this? So I kind of equate broadcasting. You guys are getting paid? Yeah, well... Well, we're, we're, we're working media. We're not getting paid well. So um, should have been like a doctor, but I wasn't smart enough. So Adnan, I, uh, I kind of equate broadcasting to singing. Like a lot of people think they can go out there and be like an MC at a wedding or be really good in like their own little podcast or like on YouTube. Or a lot of people think they can actually sing. Only a select few of us can actually do it. Myself not included, but only a few can actually do it. <laughs> now that's, that is actually a great analogy, George. I'm going to start using that. Because oftentimes I'm going to go to one of my kids' high schools, uh, high school classes, just to talk about broadcasting. And I'm like, I have the same thought as you. I think when I walk in that room, they're going to go, really? 
this guy, like five foot nothing, pudgy. I was like, he's he really you work at ESPN, like you work at MLB Network. There's no way, like they're expecting you know Paul Newman to walk in or George Clooney. So I feel like I have to already have that sense of explaining things because you're right. Naturally, you just become defensive. They go, really, you, George Russick, you're doing a morning show, Matt Rose, of all the people in Calgary, you guys are the authorities. But I like that analogy, kind of like thinking everyone thinks they can do it. I always just say this: it's an easy job, it really is. But it's harder than you think, especially initially, right? To get mm. good at it and proficient and to get a break. That, right. that is where the effort lies, to get someone to give you a chance and to get your reps and to get better. But once you actually have the gig, yeah, it's a pretty easy job, but harder than people think. Yeah, it's – okay, go ahead, Matt. But I was just going to say it's, it's not the easiest job. Like, sometimes we make mistakes. No. Yeah, we okay, – yeah. okay, so Adnan, I, I'm going to play you a couple things, and then I want to hear your story here because – on Friday, uh, Matt had a bit of a slip of the tongue uh, during a conversation yeah. we had. Uh, here's the clip from Friday. Rose it's tough when you need six to beat the Yeah. The what, sorry? Yeah, he had a bit of a slip up there. Uh, instead of saying Blackhawks, <laughs> he said something else. So we beeped it out. <laughs> but that, that happens. Missing the black Yeah, he missed part. the black part and the Hawks part. But it kind of rhymes. So that's what he said on the air on Friday. So that that brought me back to one of the most legendary clips from when I did sports updates in Toronto. And then this was my second year. And uh, this one is uh, it's a beauty. It's a doozy. It's from about 12 years ago. You're going to hear this one, too. Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson in Calgary. Stephen Ames are nine back. Mike Weir missed the cut. Missed the cut, that is. Uh, Tiger- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and that was so uh, it, George expert recovery. Yeah, I you're right. That, <laughs> that was that was. Yeah, I, I want to hear that clip again, everybody. Like Listen to how good cut. George recovers. Yeah, hold on. Yeah, yeah, hold on. Oh, Alex, hit, hit it for him one more time so we can hear it. Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson in Calgary. Stephen Ames are nine back. Mike Weir missed the cut. missed the cut. That is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that word, a thousand, Adnan. A thousand people are, yeah. are mortified, ashamed. They start. So I, I, I mean, I, I didn't mean to say that. George just, just keeps on. Uh, uh, cut that is. <laughs> <laughs> that word cuts through the room like a knife, like a lightsaber. Ooh. And I said it live on the air. Now I have to ask you, Adnan Verk, what's what's the one slip up you had? Uh, once. Now it wasn't egregious only because it wasn't broadcast to a wide audience. So when it was when I was, that brief stint I had post score when I went to work for Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment. So I was working for Raptors TV and Leafs TV for nine months and we had done the show and then there was like a post show you would do just for digital only or you know it was some sort of like an addendum to what you'd already done. And I thought the mic was off and they'll call the hot mic as everyone knows in the business. That means it's still on. And I said I'm sweating like a blank in church. And <laughs> Later, later that day, the, the, producer, the producer texted me because, hey, remember when you said you were sweating like a blank in church? I'm like, and the blank would be a prostitute, except not prostitute. I'm like, yeah. He goes, yeah, I, I, they, they could hear that. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah. I'm like, who heard it? He's like, well, it was like that live stream afterwards. And I go, how do you actually listen to a live stream? He's like, well, enough that our boss heard it. I go, okay, let me get on this right now. So, please, please. Quick apology. My apologies. Yeah, my bad. I had one recently. I wasn't, I wasn't on the air. It was uh, Dan Plesak, a former Blue Jay, of course, great reliever, now works MLB Network. He was, thankfully, though, he used the word in a positive sentence. It was off air. I don't know how his mic came through bleeding, or maybe there was, I think we were playing some sound. You could still hear Dan's mic again. So, terminology is mic is still being tracked, meaning his mic is hot or it's on. 
And he was talking about facing Reggie Jackson. And he was like, he said, I'm talking about facing F and Reggie Jackson. Like, holy F. And, and he, like, it just comes out of nowhere. And when, they, and when they came back on camera, they had to say, like, um, yeah, so clearly Dan is a huge fan of Reggie Jackson. to make that clear. And then, <laughs> and then I was on a show maybe six months later. We had Reggie on the show. And Dan started it by saying, like, hey, you know, I still talk with this great admiration about facing you. And Reggie knew the story. Right away, Reggie's like, oh, yeah, holy, I heard what you said. Okay, buddy, thanks. <laughs> That's pretty good. Oh, man. Broadcast. It's it's super easy. Anybody it's easy. can it's do easy, it. It's easy, kids. No Just problem. get into it. You'll be fine. Yeah. Lots of jobs out there, too. Lots of lot jobs. plentiful oh, jobs. A lot of money going around. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good luck. Hop on in. Hey, uh, Adnan, how can the Phillies capitalize on the split in the first two games? Is there a pitching matchup they can perhaps exploit? Yeah, it's <laughs> excellent way to get down to business, Matty. It's interesting. Because He's a pro. He's a pro, Adnan. That was silky smooth. It was <laughs> yeah. It was fantastic. Yeah. I thought the question you guys might ask me is, who does the rain out most benefit? And it, but it's along those lines. And the answer is really neither. I have no idea until they actually play game three tonight, and then I'll see who looks better. But normally, you'd feel like the rain out would benefit a team because which one is a little bit more beleaguered, which one more in need of a little bit of a respite. But in this case, both teams had a big layoff. Like they, they both wrapped up everything by Sunday. So they had four days off. They played two games. They traveled. It's not, you know, nothing strenuous. And now all of a sudden we have this situation where the rain out last night means you had to wait another day. So maybe it helps, I suppose, Philadelphia on some level, only because they know how critical these games three, four, and five are. And they, they need to win two of those three games. Um, because to go back to Houston only winning one, it's really challenging, obviously, to try to win both those games in Houston. So I would say perhaps it benefits the Phillies a little bit and that they can set up their rotation. But what's really fascinating, fellas, is both teams' aces didn't look good. Normally in a situation like this, you go, oh, okay, now they can use Verlander on short rest, or they can bring back Zach Wheeler hopefully earlier than they thought. But both guys didn't look good. Wheeler, surprisingly, five runs gave up in game two. Verlander got roughed up again in game one, was, was cruising. Until, again, he has a bad inning, and, and Dusty Baker tried to let him work through it. But Verlander, shockingly, I mean, is it seven or eight World Series starts now? He's never won a World Series start, which is crazy. He's like the anti-Bob Gibson when it comes to great pitchers who don't win and are not victorious in the World Series. His ERA is around five and a half. So I think right now it's, it's a negligible situation, maybe a slight advantage to the Phillies, because they weren't totally sure about Suarez starting game three. We're going to go with Syndergaard. I think it's still four tonight, but maybe they just feel better about their options if Noah struggles early. And then Verk joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline on the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. What would a World Series championship mean for the legacy of Bryce Harper? Uh, every World Series, you'd say, okay, especially in hockey, right? You go, okay, this is this guy's moment. Like, you know, whatever. Rod Brindamore finally gets the Stanley Cup with the Hurricanes, or obviously Ray Bork with the Avalanche. So it's funny with baseball. Like I'm trying to look at the veteran storyline. Obviously, everyone knows for Houston, it's Dusty Baker finally getting a ring at 73. But for the Phillies, there's no like old war horse. You know, there's no, there's, there's no, it's not like Jason Worth is 47 years old still in the lineup. It's like, no, okay, most of these guys are, are fairly young and still going to blossom, have good careers, you know, good veterans like Castellanos or Schwarber. And they've got obviously their young players like Stott and Bohm. But Harper really is the centerpiece. And to think of it this way, George, he's 30 years old which, again, kind of gives you pause. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated at 16 years of age as a phenom. He'll always be inextricably linked to Mike Trout because they both came up at the same time, and Trout's won three MVPs. Now, Harper's won two MVPs as well. It's held his own, 
And that's where the World Series ring would be fascinating. Because if, if he wins that World Series, he can go, yeah, okay, fine. Mike's got three MVPs, but I got two. And I got the World Series ring. So I'll take the World Series ring over one more MVP. And I just find so often in life, a lot of the expectations don't are often met by results. Meaning a guy gets called up who's expected to be the next big one. And he can be good. He can be great. But oftentimes, there's a learning curve. And he may not reach those heights. Except in baseball, it actually happened. Like with Trout and Harper, these guys were destined for greatness, and now they've done so. And in the same breath, you can't take these chances lightly. Nobody expected Philadelphia to be here. They had the 11th best regular season record. I don't expect them to win the National League East next year, even if they win the World Series this year. They will still be behind the Atlanta Braves and the New York Mets unless major changes come. So you can't tell yourself, it's like the Braves from a year ago, hey, we're building something special, got a great core, we're going to win one World Series, and maybe some more. Because look, Freddie Freeman departed, and also they had to make moves and acquire Matt Olson. So I, I think it's a paramount importance, George, that Harper gets this ring now, that at 30 years old, he can give a big, deep exhale and say, look at my resume, couple MVPs, World Series, I still got 10 years left on this contract. Uh, isn't that funny how uh, the hottest team can win a World Championship? Out of the big four major sports, uh, baseball, the one to me, is not usually the best team wins, just the hottest team wins. The Stanley Cup playoffs, it's such a grind that the best team will win. Uh, NBA, too, the first round's always a cakewalk, but it's tough to beat the best teams. And the Super Bowl, yeah, I know it's one-game eliminations, but it's hard to go through all of those hoops to get to a Super Bowl and actually win it. Baseball, to me, seems if things are working for you and you get red hot, as long as you're in that tournament, anybody can win, literally. Yeah, it's the good news, bad news. But the bad news is it starts to take away some of the significance of the regular season. You just say, well, what's the point mm. of grinding so much to win the division by 11 games if I can lose in a three-game series or a five-game series? That feels like an awfully shocking way uh, to have that fate after six months. But, of course, why don't you win those games? And no one's going to feel sorry for the Dodgers and the Braves. If you lost, other teams won. But you're right. If you can flip the switch and have a couple of aces and a bullpen that steps up and three or four hot bats, and all of a sudden things will turn around. And the good news of that equation is that the unpredictability factor, the downside of the NBA is I watch the playoffs and I already know the Warriors are making the finals. There's no doubt about it. I'm like, there's no team in the first round that's going to pull off an upset. A one versus eight, never. In hockey, might happen. That's why that first round is the best in hockey. Lightning might lose in the first round. The Panthers are not guaranteed to make the Stanley Cup final, which they did not a year ago. So every year you're going to see upsets. But I find in baseball, it's the most unpredictable because everyone said, well, it's tough to bet against Astros-Dodgers. And guess what? It was not Astros-Dodgers. And a lot of people said, okay, probably Astros-Braves if it's not Astros-Dodgers. Wasn't that either. So it, it's a really tough sport to handicap come playoff time. But I love it as a fan because you can talk yourself into anything. And I don't know anybody who said the Phillies would be in this situation and yet here they are. I'm intrigued to see how the crowd reacts in Philadelphia for this one. We know what Philadelphia fans are all about, and I wonder how that impacts the Houston Astros. But then I was like, well, this is also a team that has been booed and chided basically for the last couple of years since the cheating scandal. So if there's any team that's probably equipped to deal with this, it's probably the Astros. Would you agree? It is true, Matty. They've been through everything. You know, they can't get much worse than the reception that they've received after everything came out, although they were lucky because in 2020, it was the height of COVID, obviously, so there wasn't any fans. So they really probably would have been cheered the most. Fans weren't even able to be there to kind of give their biggest vitriol. But in talking to everybody that's there on behalf of MLB Network and other reporters and other people covering it, they all say that crowd in Philadelphia is electric and something special. And again, I'd like to discount the fact that the home crowd 
isn't as important as we all say. Going back to 1995, since the start of the wildcard playoffs, home teams only win 55% of the time. If you go back shorter, even six or seven years ago, it's at 52%. Mm. So the next time somebody says, well, they got a home field, they're going to win. It's probably not true. If you go by the numbers, it's a coin flip. And yet, if anybody is asked, they go, man, that crowd in Philadelphia is something else. Those guys are nuts. It's crazy. It's wild. You can see it's unnerving. You've heard some players, Padres players, saying off the record, like, wow, we, we got shook. Like, if they get an early lead, forget about it. Or if they start coming back, you can feel the energy and the electricity. So Houston's battle-tested, Matty. I, I don't think Jose Altuve is going to get tight or Alex Bregman or Jordan Alvarez. But that Philly crowd apparently is something to behold. And, and after another day of waiting, they're going to be going nuts tonight. Three days of great weather in Philly, and hopefully – if the Phillies have their way of it, they'll win three straight games. Yeah, and you got to keep your head on a swivel. Those nine volt batteries being thrown at you from all corners of the diamond—my goodness! <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not quite when Santa was getting pelted with snowballs, but right. uh, they'll find a way. Yeah. I mean, they'll, they'll, <laughs> if they could, if they could throw snowballs at Dusty Baker, they would do it. There's no question. <laughs> yeah, it's the uh, it's the old uh, security guard meme where he's not even like touching yeah. people when they go yeah, into the stadium. Like, oh yeah, yeah, it's fine. You got lots of batteries in your pockets. No worries. <laughs> I got to ask you about this. Uh, There's a law firm in Philadelphia, injury law firm, which is a great name, Top Dog Law, which is great in case you get injured in a car (laughs) called Top Dog Law. That's great. (laughs) Like ambulance chasers. That is a a fascinating title. Yeah, it is. I would imagine that pitch me. They sat around the room going, all right, what do you want to say? Boss? Boss man? No. No. Uh, The best? Pro shop? How about Top Dog? Yeah, yeah. you know what? That's it. Get a big picture of a dog barking and we're in. Uh, yeah, we, the, it's it's the best. So they put a sign in Philadelphia, um, had a sign, but the Astros stole it. Top Dog Law well, it was great. I think that's great. Why don't we do billboards in Canada, Adnan? Like, I, I never see that. That's a great question. I never see, like, no, in, you know, right. in Calgary, like Edmonton. Oh, did you wear your sweatpants and dress shoes, Edmontonians, to watch the game tonight? Nobody puts a billboard like that here in Calgary. Why don't Canadians do stuff like this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember my friend Dan Lebitard, of course, sent a file to the Metal Arc Entertainment, and Dan does this great show there. You know, years ago when, when there was the whole issue with LeBron, and, you know, he was putting up billboards saying, you know, mocking Cleveland, like, yeah, hey, we got him. We got your guys in Miami now. And, like, that is the thing here. Well, let's, let's put up a billboard and, uh, you know, alienate a fan base. For some reason, Canadians, we don't like using the billboard. I don't know. Maybe it's just uh, – the way we're wired, we feel like the communicating. We're too polite about it. We don't want to be so in your face. We don't want to be so abrasive. But I like the idea of a good giant billboard. As a matter of fact, three billboards. That's in Ebbing, Missouri. One of the best movies in the last five, six years. 2017, of course. One best actress, Vance McDormand. Best supporting actress, Sam Rockwell. I'm pro billboard. Yeah. Uh, and then last one for you. It's a Halloween kicker here. Um, I know you love milk duds, but frankly, they're an underutilized candy on Halloween. So I got to ask you, what's your favorite? candy to steal out of your kid's bag out there uh, after Halloween? Yeah, Milk Duds is definitely the one for me. I mean, a huge fan of it. I'll tell you yesterday, though, got into some turtles. I feel like oh, turtles are, are more popular in Canada than in America. It's and true. I still have a vivid memory of me and my mom just cracking open a box of turtles and just going to town. Like, we're watching, I don't know, Dances with Wolves or something she wanted to watch. And I'm like, all right, I'm here for the turtles. Box has no chance. I'm always terrified to look up the caloric content of a box of turtles because I'm, I'm telling you, one turtle's got to be 80 calories. To me, as a child, I couldn't care. That's probably about like 20. But yeah. you get me a box of turtles, mm-hmm. it's game time. Yeah, especially yeah. at Christmas time, you can hammer those oh, through. Yeah. I don't know oh. if you're. Uh, I don't know if you yeah. saw this candy that Trip Tracy talked about last night on the Hurricanes broadcast. Don't know if you heard about this, but uh, hit it for him, Alex. 
just absolutely hit the lottery with a bunch of Reese's penis peanut butter cups trick or treating. That's what's on the table tonight. I don't like I I don't think you're allowed to give those to kids. Hopefully uh nobody got those last night. But Reese's penis probably not the way to go when it comes to Halloween candy. Trick or treat. Trick or treat. All right. You put, you put your hands deep in that bag, you don't know what you're going to oh get. <laughs> Adnan Verk, uh, great stuff. MLB, NHL Network, Cinephile Podcast. Adnan, we'll talk next week. Thanks, pal. I appreciate it, George. Batty, be well. Uh, and Adnan Verk was on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Come in and enjoy hockey and football game day specials at 660 Memorial Drive Northeast. Pickup and delivery also available at Atlas Pizza, 403-248-3344. That was a fun chat. I, I enjoyed our chat. With um, and Ann Burke, great little, stuff. A little segue into the talk baseball. baseball there. Talk about how we're mediocre broadcasters. Very mediocre. Real quick on billboards, sure. Because that uh, top dog law, top dog had a funny sign, but the Astros stole it. I like it. Uh, one of my first jobs, my first job in broadcasting, I was uh, behind the scenes. I was an often a producer for CKTB. Uh, it's an AM talk radio station in St. Catharines, mm. and uh, one of the things uh, the, the morning show host. Tim Dennis did was live on a billboard for a week. So I, my, my so job was literally, you have to go there, help him out and just sit at the bottom of the billboard and just get him stuff. Like yeah. when he was like, Hey, and like, he'd people, like throw jugs to you and stuff like that. And this was, this was early, like late summer, like right around labor day. So Tim Dennis was uh, stuck on this billboard forever. And after a week, you could tell he wasn't as chipper to be on the billboard anymore. He's like, just get me off this damn thing. <laughs> he raised a ton of money, but like the F-bombs that guy was giving like at, during the breaks, and he'd be like, oh, hey, it's great on the billboard. Can't wait to raise all this money. And he was all haggard looking, too, for being on the oh, billboard yeah, for a week. Of course. Like, I bet he stunk. And yeah. like, what did he have up there? What did he have? Like a, a sleeping bag? Yep. A pillow? A bucket? A Bucket. Yeah, but he did climb because there was an RV beside. Mm-hmm. He did climb down and go to use the washroom, but he had the bucket in case people were around and he really had to go in the tent. Oh, so he hacked it up a little bit? Yeah, vile. Yeah. Just vile. And he was all haggard looking. And that when I see Billboard, it reminds me of him doing the Billboard for a week. Yuck. And why don't we do what a billboards fun promotion? Here? But yeah, yeah why, no, no. But why don't we do billboards here? I don't, I don't get it. I don't know. I don't know what the rate of a billboard is. So if the Oilers in Flames play in the playoffs, we should somehow, some way, get a billboard. I got a billboard guy. Do you really? Yeah, I got a billboard guy. Of course I do. Okay. We'll, I'll reach we'll, out. We'll get somebody to sponsor it too. He's got some of the new video boards in town. Hell yeah, yeah. And, no and we'll we'll talk smack about Edmonton. Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? Well, they lost in the weekend, so that would be why sure. not. Sure, but okay, but okay, still, but next the time playoffs. they have to win into the playoffs. Yeah, because we'll, we'll make it. news then too. They'll have news crews out there, and then people at Edmonton are going to get heated. It'd be great. There you go. Springtime. Mm, so uh, straight ahead, some hot CFL talk. Uh, John Bender joining us in studio. By the way, dressed to the nines. Maddie and I look like we're, we rolled out of bed, total slobs. John Bender here looking super handsome. Clean shaven, though. Yep. We'll talk some CFL straight ahead. Mix in some NFL, too, I think. It's the big show, Ruskin Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. You're listening to the big show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960, the fan.
<laughs> it's the big show. Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960. The fan. The top of the hour, Greg Rashinsky, ESPN NHL senior writer. He was at Mullet Arena. We'll get his thoughts. Did he get the band with the golden locks? Probably. Out the back? Uh, we'll ask him about that. We'll get his take on the Flames' new lineup uh, yesterday in practice. New lines. That's exciting. My goodness. That's exciting. Milan Lucic on the second line. We'll get his thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. That's super interesting. Um, you've had some great hole-in-one stories. Keep them rolling in. 960, 960, name and location. Give us your hole-in-one story to win a $100 gift card from Golf Town. That easy. Easy peasy. Uh, joining us in studio now, though. A man who loves golf. Former Calgary Stampeder, Nevada Wolfpack offensive lineman. You you played O-line? I thought you were a corner. Uh, John Bender <laughs> joining us here. He's uh, be an ha- impressive corner. Yeah, if you've had the pleasure of meeting John Bender, uh, you're a large individual. So what what do you what's your height and what what do you think you tip the scales at? If you don't mind me asking, right now. Yeah, I'd be about six eight, about three fifty. Good lord, six eight, three fifty. Okay. Yeah, there was a point in the pizza pig out where we had been hanging out for a while, and I, I didn't want to be rude, but I was like, I gotta go find someone else to talk to because my neck is starting to crane and it's getting a little sore. I'll be back, but I, I had to switch it up a little bit. Sure, uh, sure, sure, that's fair. Yeah, but the thing is about John is that uh, he's a meeting point. For like, yeah. if you're out with your buddies, like, where's John? Well, you can see him. So when I was at music festivals, we call that a totem. You would like build a big sign that you'd hi- hold up high against the above the crowd, so your friends could pick you out. It's like John, mm. but then you have to hold the sign. Someone has to hold the sign. That's no some, good. Some, yeah, but usually it's pretty cool. It'll have okay. lights and signs, and it'll have all sorts of fun stuff on it. Um, CFL playoffs this week. Uh, we're all excited. Uh, Stan Peters playing the Lions. What was what was the preparation for you when you played in the league ahead of a playoff game? How different was that game week opposed to a regular season matchup? I mean, it's a lot different. You have that one-game season, so to speak, and you try to bring the most. And, I mean, you've played all the teams already, so you know what they're about. You know what's going on. And it's all just going to be a matter of who's going to come out there and who's going to be able to execute their game plan to the best of their ability. And, I mean, you know, playing in playoffs in the CFL is a whole different animal. You're often playing – outdoors you're often playing in bad weather and that run game and that defense really becomes really important and you know the season you played in July and August doesn't matter anymore because now it's November and uh, you know you're gonna have to do some different things on the field to win the football game and uh, you know for the Stampeders gonna be a little bit different this week because they're gonna be in that dome in BC we're gonna see uh, you know how that's gonna play out. Uh, Did you like the home field advantage of knowing that the weather was gonna be maybe not the best here in Calgary opposed to playing somewhere indoors where you know the the conditions are controlled? So I'm an offensive lineman and a big offensive lineman, and I love running the football. Okay. So I wanted bad weather. Okay. The worse weather, the better, because then I know as a a position group, you always want to have your position group be the one that's, you know, the one that you're going to rely on. Mm -hmm. So if we know that the offensive line can, you know, run the football and can win football games, we want to be the team or the group that, you know, goes out there and gets the job done. That's going to be interesting to watch because I know the Stampeders are going to practice a little bit in that new bubble out the foothills um, as they prepare to play indoors against the BC Lions. But how do you like this matchup for the Stampeders? I mean, I really like the matchup. I I think that the Stampeders can go toe to toe with anybody in the CFL, and I think the BC Lions will be a you know they're they're going to be a big opportunity for the Stampeders to show you know they got a great football team and they're going to have an opportunity to you know take the next step. Stampeders finished third in the West. That's not you know what we're all used to here as the Stampeders fan group or as yeah. a Stampeders, you know, organization. And, uh, you know, we're going to see what they're going to be able to do. And, uh, you know, we're going to 
We're going to see with uh, you know Jake Mayer, his opportunity to kind of really put a stamp on his football career and really put a you know give a lot of confidence here to the city of Calgary with what he's able to do. And we'll see what Nathan Rourke can do, how healthy he is, and how much he's able to go and, and do his normal kind of beat for this. Um, you were at the last game that was on Saturday, uh, taking on the Rough Riders, and uh, a game that didn't have any claim to the standings whatsoever. Um, but it was the Rough Riders in town, which is special in one sense, and it perhaps was Bo Levi Mitchell's last home game as a member of the Calgary Stampeders, all but confirmed at this point. Um, just a thought on the moment for Bo Levi Mitchell in that game, and maybe if you could describe it a little bit for our listeners uh, who might who weren't there might not have seen. Yeah, for sure. So in the game there, late in the fourth quarter, the Stampeders were up big, and uh, they did bring in Bo Levi towards the end of the game. He was the third quarterback to get in. And there was a stop, you know, there was a good fan base there. There was about 25,000 there on, uh, you know, for the game. And, you know, everybody kind of stopped, you know, took a moment, stepped, you know, everybody stood up, gave him a standing ovation, which is totally what Bo deserves. Bo's been a, you know, great member of the community, great member of the Stampeders, won a couple championships here, played in five great cups, played in seven Western finals. I mean, he's been everything that you could ask for from a quarterback. You think he's going to Saskatchewan in the offseason here? I mean, there's a good opportunity he's going to go to Saskatchewan. I think that there's going to be three or four CFL teams that will be very interested in bringing him in. I think if anybody has a 1A, 1B quarterback situation, why wouldn't you want Bo Mitchell in that quarterback room to either become the guy or to help your guy become a little bit better? How much gas has he had left in the tank, you think? I think he can play a few more seasons. I think, you know, especially if he gets into the uh, Eastern Conference, which isn't as strong as the West, he'll have an opportunity to win some football games and be able to do some things on that side. Do you see uh, him and Chris Jones ever being a pair? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. Uh, you know, Chris Jones has uh, said a little bit too much in the media, I think, uh, in Edmonton between uh, Bo Levi Mitchell and what he said about Cody Fajardo earlier this year. And I think those are two great quarterbacks that he might want to bring into the fold there. But uh, they did just extend Taylor Cornelius. And if you haven't won two games at home in two seasons, you might as well extend your quarterback, right? <laughs> Yeah, um, John Bender. It's only been a thousand plus days, John. I don't know what you're talking exactly. about. Exactly, uh, John Bender. Uh, John Bender, former Stamps, Nevada Wolfpack offensive lineman, joining us here on the Big Show, Russick and Rose Sports at nine sixty. The fan. Uh, how do you beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? You got to beat them at the line of scrimmage. You got to beat them on what they're great at, and that's that, that's a that's a tough task for a lot of teams in the CFL. They're great on the offensive line. They're great on the defensive line. They've got two DNs between Willie Jefferson and Jackson Jeffcoat. They can really get after the quarterback. And, you know, they can really run the football and they got a big physical offensive line that's going to bully other teams' D-lines. And, I mean, you have to, you know, go toe-to-toe with them, you know. They're, you can't let them bully bully you. If a bully comes after you, you're going to have to punch them in the mouth sooner or later. Mm. And uh, they're going to have to do that. So we're going to have to see what they're going to be able to do. But, you know, you look at three seasons ago when Winnipeg came in here in 2019 as a three-seed, the Stampeders were heavily favored in that game. And, uh, you know, they kind of came in here and punched the Stamps in the mouth, right? Yeah. They ran the ball for 200-plus yards and uh, really show what they were able to do. And since then, they basically haven't lost. So, you know, it's going to be a tough task, but I think that the Stampeders and the BC Lions are going to be two of the best teams that are going to have an opportunity here. Yeah, they both got good defensive lines as well. Two of the uh, top sack, uh, sacks four in the season with the BC Lions and the Calgary Stampeders defenses. Um, My last one uh, that's kind of uh, CFL-related, it goes back to 2011. I wanted to ask you about... uh, when you were playing with the Stampeders, getting ready for the postseason, and a particular speech that might have sat well with you and uh, 
you know, stood the test of time per se. Can you tell us a little bit about that in 2011? Sure. So anytime that you have a playoff game or any, you know, any in-week season, there's going to be about two quote, there's going to be about two speeches from the head coach. You're going to get one early in the week and get one late in the week. So the early speech, you know, from, that we got from John Huffnagel at the time was, you know, man, there's going to be a few ways that you can be motivated. You can be, you know, action motivated. You can be awards motivated. Or you can be money motivated. Now, I don't know which one you are, but I'm just going to throw out some scenarios. And he said, if you guys win the first game, this, the CFL, he threw $4,000 down on the table. <laughs> if you guys win two games, he threw $9,000 down on the table. I don't know if you guys ever seen, you know, bands of $9,000 at the table, but, you know, people get pretty excited. He said, if you win the Great Cup, and then he, you know, rolled out, you know, threw a bag of $30,000 roughly onto the table <laughs> and threw his Great Cup ring on top of it <laughs> and said, hey, if that's was that, we'll get you guys motivated. Great. You know, I'm going to see you guys out of practice. <laughs> was it real money? Was it like it was, maybe a hundred and like it was all photocopied <laughs> stuff underneath? It was, was it real, real money. Okay, for you, sure. You guys had to make sure it was real. Okay. I, yeah. He, he, he might have awesome. gone to the bank that morning. I'm not sure. That's, but, a, lo- yeah. that's a lot of brown bills. Uh, that's awesome. Um, does it matter that the CFL doesn't have a halftime act yet for the Grey Cup? I mean, I think they have something lined up. I would assume that they're trying to, you know, sometimes they try to do too much, have two or three different acts and. There's one that's not, you know, confirmed yet. Maybe they have one or two. But the game is sold out. I'd expect that they're expecting, you know, two to three million people to watch on TV. What I would do if I was the CFL is I would find the exact demographic that's the opposite of who would want what the people you think will watch the game would want to see and get the exact opposite act. So I think they did that a little bit with Justin Bieber in 2012 and, you know, something similar like that this year, I would imagine. Well, Justin Bieber was a big deal even back then. Uh, for the CFL. Well, like, and there's been was... some good ones. Like the Arkells were last year. Like I saw the Arkells Shania on Friday. Twain. I bought tickets to the Arkells because I liked how they performed at the Great Cup. Oh. And then uh, it was, uh, was it Keith Urban that was here in Calgary yeah. who put on a great show? And I was like, I would have never bought tickets to Keith Urban, but now I might consider it. Um, when it comes to, um, just wanted to ask you here, to when it comes to the uh, being an offensive lineman. So last night in that game, Monday nighter, Browns and Bengals. Uh, the Browns just completely dominated the line of scrimmage, offensively, defensively. And Miles Garrett was out there. He was a terror. He was in the face of Joe Burrow all night. And you, being uh, a former offensive lineman, uh, you played against some big time players down south when you were at Nevada. How do you stop a guy who's that explosive off the snap when it comes to a guy like Miles Garrett? What would have been your plan of attack? to try to even remotely slow down that guy. I know exactly I, what he's going to say. <laughs> I know I'm not, you know, this is a little bit behind the curtain, but, uh, you know, we had a saying in football that all men are created equal in the eyes of the cut block. <laughs> and uh, what, you were, <laughs> what you were able to do is if you, you know, first series of the game, what I would do every time I played anybody is I would make sure I'd find somebody in that first series and really cut them. And really get down after their knees, and you know you can call that playing, you can call that whatever you want. I call that winning football. Right. So if you get oh an boy. opportunity to get after these guys, and you know do something like that, well then he's going to go back to the bench and he's going to say, "Hey, watch for you know the big boy over there. Cut the hell out of me." Right. And you know keep your eyes peeled for that next time. And when I was in college, I was very much a pulling guard. So when I would come around the corner there, sometimes it'd be a corner, a linebacker, whoever was waiting for me in the alley. And the first time, if they tried to, you know, come, you know, bang me and give me heads, and I would, you know, take their knee out. And the next time I came around the corner, they'd be tiptoeing, like, uh-oh, and then i hit them in the mouth. And then oh they didn't God. know what to do. 
and they you know, they were a little bit in between. And I think with Miles Garrett, what you need to do is what a lot of teams do against a great DN like that yeah. is they make him the read guy. So you always make it look like you're doing read option stuff. You may, you just take him out of the game. Mm-hmm. Take him out of the no, – nobody needs to block him. Take him out make him the read guy. And they do a really great job of that in college. But when you don't have a quarterback that can run very well, you don't have a very mobile quarterback, sometimes you got to bring the wide receiver in there to crack him. you got to do a few things, you know, just keep him off balance because if you let him pin his ear, ears back and rush the quarterback, well, you guys saw what happened last night. Did you see that play with that uh, that with the Browns brought in? I think it was two extra offensive linemen. They pulled one off of like a tight end spot and a run play at the goal line. Like, were you watching that and just like, oh, this that would be the dream for me? Yeah, the, like that, to be in motion, <laughs> like that's different than pulling as a guard for sure. Yeah, so if you're able to go in motion, the great thing about going in motion is nobody else is in motion on defense. So you're running downhill and you're 300 pounds. You're going to get some movement. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, Doesn't matter who you run into. Totally, like, you're yeah. probably going to win. Okay. <laughs> now, now I have to ask. Uh, first of all, I don't know how terrifying that would be if you were running to block me. <laughs> be terrifying. Number two. What was your 40? I ran about five two five three. Get out of here that fast. Yeah. Maddie, what do you think your 40 would be right Ooh, now? Probably six and a half, seven. Yeah. <laughs> eight. I think so. Yeah. Like it'd be. What up do you think there? you could run a 40 now? Not five three. <laughs> <laughs> if, it was, if it was in the five, I'd be thrilled. Yeah, that's that's incredible for a guy I, your size. Yeah. Okay, so I, I spent about a decade in an office chair, and it's not good for anybody. Oh uh, no, um, <laughs> you, gotta get the, you gotta get the big exercise ball better on the hip flexors. There's a holding on every play in every type of football, right? I mean, <laughs> that's you're, an you're offensive lineman to, answer. If I've yeah, ever heard I mean, it. if it's if it's not called, is it holding? I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, there's guys being physical, getting after it. I know that. I just what, what I want to know too is uh, John Bender joining us, former stamp, uh, former offensive lineman at Nevada. Um, I have to ask you what 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 was the smack talk like in the trenches? Was there a lot of smack talk? Were you a smack talker? Because even last night. When when they're doing the broadcast, Jacoby Brissett, hey, almost got you fifty five. That was a great little soundbite they had from the game last mm-hmm. night. Tell me about and obviously radio friendly. Um, tell me about like the smack talk. Were you a smack talker? Did you get into the to the head of the other guys? Like, what, how did you do it? Absolutely. So uh, I know that I <laughs> I know that I seem like I'm a nice guy here, but when I put the helmet on, I was on the field, and I play sports even to this day. I was completely different. Like my competitiveness gets the best. Like of me when you're a lot. on the pickleball court, uh, you're, no, no you're pickleball. But when I play slow pitch, I play basketball. You know, in Calgary, you know, the weekend warriors, me and them hang out now. And yeah, I probably get a little too competitive you're the at times point for guard, sure. Right? Uh, no, I'm okay, very physical in the paint. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah, when I played, you know, they wrote articles about me when I was at the University. Nevada about how much of a you know jerk I was on the field to mm. that lack of a better word but yeah I mean I was the the trash talker we would get into a hurry up offense we ran the ball 50 60 times a game and we played at elevation so we would play against teams the first thing we do on them is do a 12 13 play drive and hurry up and mm-hmm. see what kind of shape they're in and when they're going off the sidelines, I'd be talking trash like, all right, have a good time over there on that bench. Uh, I'm going to beat up your backup too. Send him in. And then when guys would be coming off and, you know, they'd be talk, trying to talk trash to me, I'd call them little things like, you know, get out of here, you little pipsqueak. I ate burritos bigger than you. <laughs> things like that. What was the worst chirp that you ever felt, though? Didn't they ever get one and you were like, ooh, that was that one actually. I got to use that one. That one kind of stung. I might have to keep that one in the holster. You know, when I played football, not really. Like, I mean, I was I was the the big dude out there. The yeah. ones that I remember the most was uh, 
when we were at the University of Hawaii, we were on the sideline. The sidelines were right on top of you, right? And the Hawaiians were uh, giving it to us most of the game. What a terrible, what and, a terrible sight, though. Yeah, well, <laughs> tough well, I went to Hawaii we were, and they were giving it to <laughs> we me. Were, anyway, we sorry. were at Aloha Stadium. And it was, <laughs> yeah. oh, Pro Bowl was there in Australia. Yeah. It was terrible. Oh, anyways, terrible, yeah. So anyways, they would always pick a player and they would say like, hey, 64, you look like you like donuts. <laughs> uh, like, like, well, you're probably right. Like, yeah, I do. Yeah, they're not bad. I mean, yeah. they're fine. Like, I like them. <laughs> Who doesn't? Yeah. Um, Is it game over? You guys got one? What's up? Yeah. <laughs> okay, now I have to ask you because um, we know that offensive linemen, and I've heard this a lot of interviews, guys, keeping the weight on was tough for some linemen. I know Joe Thomas talked about how he had to eat McDonald's steady every day, was eating like 10,000 calories. What was your diet like when you were a player in the CFL? So I was a little bit uh, opposite. Like I've never really had a hard time keeping weight on. Like when I was 16, 17, I was 330. But just to give you guys a good idea of, uh, you know. That's a big grocery bill for mom and pop, eh? Right, right, right. Is there a lot of milk on that too? Are you a big milk drinker? (laughs) Yeah, huge milk drinker. So I'll just give you guys a quick rundown of my pregame meal Friday night when I was in college, okay? Okay. So dinner, plate of salad every time. Mm -hmm. A liter of chocolate milk. (laughs) Two liters of Gatorade. And then I would have uh, usually two chicken breasts and an eight-ounce steak. I'd have red beans, red beans and rice. When I get that done, I'd do a full plate of pasta like Alfredo <laughs> with a full plate of pasta with sauce. Uh-huh. i get that done. Yeah. And then we would uh, have uh, bread pudding with dessert with yep. ice cream. Mm-hmm. And then we'd watch a movie for like an hour and a half. Uh-huh. Then they'd send us to bed with a bag to have dinner. And there'd be an apple, a banana, an orange, a Snickers, and another liter of Gatorade. And I'd kill all that. Was Joey Chestnut your teammate? Because that's... <laughs> and that's no matter what I eat insane. on Friday, or yeah. no matter what I weighed on Friday, yeah. on Monday I weighed less. Really? Every time. They weighed us in, weighed us out every week. Because in game day, you'd lose, you know, 10, well, 15 pounds. You've told me about this before, the Pedialyte and having to put the almost water weight on and then measuring you and, and having to right. kind of monitor that really closely so as well. When we were in fall camp in Nevada, we were doing double days, 100 degrees, right? That's no fun. Guys would be dropping like crazy because of dehydration. Yeah. And what they would do that's is they serious would, stuff. Oh, like for sure. Serious. Oh, yeah. Guys could die. Yeah. So they're waiting, they're, they weigh us in and out like cattle. We'd walk in there and there'd be a big, you know, on the wall, they'd write on write down your name, your weight, weigh in, weigh out. Did you out. flex when you did the weight? Sometimes, did you like, yeah, sometimes. Like you're in a UFC weigh-in? Yeah, so the yeah, get yeah. right in the face of the, <laughs> the assistant. Guns out. <laughs> yeah, so they did that every day. And then when we weighed in, when we came back, if you were negative five pounds or more, you weren't allowed to leave the room until you drank a liter of Pedialyte. If you were eight pounds or more? A liter. A liter. If you were eight pounds or more, it was yeah. two liters of Pedialyte. If it was more than 10 pounds, you got put on IV. And the IV takes an hour. So you don't want to be there for an hour. Right. So you'd be doing everything you can to try to keep your weight within 10 pounds of what you weighed in the morning. Okay. So how much fluid were you drinking at the time? Oh, eight liters a day. Easy. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? I have like one 750 mil of water yeah. a day, and I'm like, well, now, good job, me. It, it, was, it was to the point where I could chug a liter of Pedialyte without stopping. No problem. <laughs> um, it, Tom Brady allegedly drinks around 36 to 37 glasses of water a day to be uber hydrated. That's part of the TB12 system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do, do you believe that? Could you, how tough would it be to drink that much water every day? I mean, I think he does it, yeah. I think he's probably similar. I know lots of guys that drink a gallon of water a day. I, I drink close to a gallon of water a day. That's incredible. Like just some of you the- got to train yourself to get there, though. Like 100%. it's one thing that like I during the pandemic, I was like one of the things I want to try doing is drinking more water. So I really leaned into it, and I would try to drink like six or seven of these a day. And 
the first thing is you have to pee all the time. Yeah. Constantly. 100%. And you have to kind of get used to that. And then, yeah, it's, it's all right. It's a bit of a. Okay, John. So uh, we've asked about the good stuff you had to eat. Um, give us a night in college where you really got after it. Like, give us the. So let me give you some context. Mm-hmm. I, uh, my, my greatest moment in broadcasting was interviewing Joey Chestnut. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was half in the bag when I interviewed him the next day. He said he had a cheat day where he had two large pizzas and 36 beers as a cheat day for Joey Chestnut. And you could tell he had 36 beers the next day when I was interviewing him because he was slurring his words still a little bit. Mm-hmm. You're at Nevada. You just won a big game. It's Friday night. Tell us, like, what how many beers. What was that spot beers? called you, tell, you used to tell me? So, yeah, so right across the street from campus, we had a bar that was called The Breakaway when I was in the University of Nevada. So you're at The Breakaway, big yeah. win. How many beers was John Bender crushing after a big win? So here's the thing is uh, for $5, you got a bracelet, and it was all you could drink, butter, Bud Light, for two hours <laughs> from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. They didn't p.m. see you coming. Yeah, well, the, <laughs> no, well this, is, this is the thing is that. Did you put the bar out of business? It, is it, that it, what it happened? It's no longer in business. That's correct. But the whole team would <laughs> yeah. be there, right? Like, yeah. it wasn't like one or two of us. It was like, I got five bucks. Let's go. Yeah. And then they had $1, you call it, shots for the ladies till midnight. Yeah. When I say $1, you call it, it's not like you could get vodka or whatever. They'd be ordering up triple shots of 151 and sending them to people. Oh, good Lord. And, you know, I don't know if you guys ever shot a 151, but that, that could fuel a car. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's no good for human consumption, but people would do it. So, yeah, I mean, if I really wanted to, I could get after it, sure. But I was always trying to be a relatively good guy in season because otherwise I'd be, you know, dehydrated. The big problem was after a game is you'd be dehydrated. Right. So if I tried to drink heavy after a game, if I had even like four or five pints, just the motion of moving my hand and my mouth, cramp in my arm. That's insane. Yeah. Uh, I, I love li- listening to the inside story of you drinking that many liters, crushing that many. I just couldn't imagine the meal you had, how somebody could actually go down. The liter of the chocolate milk is the one that gets me. <laughs> like the amount of chocolate milk you were drinking too is a lot. Just mixing in the dairy with the Gatorade. Uh, John Bender, former Stamps, Nevada Wolfpack offensive lineman. Uh, let's do this again soon, okay? For sure. This has been great. Great job by John Bender. That just... And he comes in studio, too. Look at how well he's dressed. He's super handsome, super dressed. What's the slate like today? Uh, Meeting a bunch of clients? Exactly. So I've been working as a financial planner for a decade, and I uh, come downtown to meet clients usually a couple times a month. So when I do, I let you guys know. I'm popping studio sometimes, and it's a good fit. Do you ever look at a client and go, you should do this, and give them the crazy (laughs) eye a little bit? They're like, okay, John, I'll invest there. Have you ever busted that one uh, out there? Or like crush their hand on a handshake? It's like, make sure you invest into this. That's a real alpha move. You know, I haven't done that yet. I mean, maybe mm, maybe you guys are giving me welcome. some good advice here. I'm you're not welcome. sure. I usually try to show the value, but uh, you know, that could be a way that could be a direction <laughs> to go. Ta- maybe you can take your business to another level. Yeah, who but knows? Just, but just int- intimidation You're usually good at works. the work part, but you need more intimidation. Yeah. yeah. Again, I just couldn't imagine you uh, running around and then, oh, I got to block you. Uh-oh. Oh, God. This is going to hurt. Well, that was like that, like that linebacker for the Bengals yesterday who was like pointing at him. He's like, stay over there. Yeah. <laughs> Do not. And then he comes and gets pancaked by the lineman in motion. Yeah. My goodness. Scary stuff. Football stuff. Uh, John, great stuff. Uh, enjoy the CFL playoffs. Straight ahead, we'll talk to Greg Wyshynski, ESPN NHL senior writer. It's the big show. Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.